p.m. David's going to be, yes, David, stand up here for a second. David has been one of our McKinster Fellows, has ministered with us this entire past year. And uh, this is David's last Sunday with us. He is going to be soloing during communion time, so we get a chance to be uh, blessed by him at that point in time. Uh, but what David has shared with us is not only that beautiful tenor voice, uh, but just kind of brought some really beautiful moments to us. I, I think about the trunk or treat, and I think about Christmas Eve, I, some really special times. And, and you all may know that our McKinster Fellows are where we have students who are, who are coming along in, in their development, not only music, but we pray in music ministry. And uh, so we're very grateful for being part of your journey. And uh, amen. I want to take a moment to recognize you this morning. David is continuing on. He's going to be singing uh, in Irving, right? There we go. So uh, blessings on the way uh, in, the, in your continued ministry. Amen. We're continuing on in our series entitled Riches of the Risen Life. This is the last in the series. And uh, we're going to be talking this morning about rising above compromise. And, you know, the Apostle Paul says lots of things in terms of as he writes through the New Testament, and a lot of it is hard to understand. But I want to share with you, when I read the words that he spoke this morning in Romans chapter 7, I get it. And I bet you, you get it too, because it does describe for me the human condition. Uh, Pat read these words, and I'm going to share with some of them again. He says, I don't understand my own actions. I don't understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. <laughs> I don't understand my own actions. I don't do what I want to do, but I do the very thing that I hate. And then he drops down, verse 24, he says, wretched man that I am. And I tell you, when you're not doing what you want to do, and, you, know, you put you in that compromising position, he says, you know, it just makes you miserable. Wretched human being that I am, who will rescue me from this place? You know, who's going to lift me up from this place? He says, thanks be to God in Jesus Christ our Lord, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life and Jesus Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. With that ancient word of God, of the apostle, let that be the word of truth, the light of truth, for us in these moments as we bow and as we pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this time of worship. We give you thanks for the ways that you would take that word, you would plant it in our hearts and minds that it might be a word of truth for us off the page and into our person in ways that you would lift us by your spirit and help us to capture again what it means to live in the law of the spirit of life. It is the gift of your grace to us in Christ Jesus. And so in that blessing we come, we open our hearts and minds to listen, 
to learn, to grow, and then to give of ourselves in ways that we might be more fully and faithfully yours, more fully and faithfully your disciples through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we've gathered and in whose name we pray. Amen. For those of you who are sports fans, and even if those of you who aren't sports fans, this last week um, there was a football coach who was back in the news, and that was Coach Art Bryles. And uh, you may have noticed that Art Bryles uh, got a new job. And uh, he's going to be coaching a football team out in Mount Vernon in East Texas uh, called the Bears. And, uh, you know, I want to tell you, it is news, at least in those little towns, when you get a new football coach. Uh, I've, I've been in those kind of situations. When you get a new coach, that is a big deal. And it was a big deal in Mount Vernon. But you all know it was a bigger deal than simply Mount Vernon because what began to happen is that news uh, at least made the Metroplex if it didn't make the nation, the ends of your kind of watch the sports stuff or not. I think nationally, sports-wise, it went nationally because Art Bryles was coach of more than simply the Mount Vernon Bears. You also may know that Art Bryles was also the coach of the Baylor Bears. And Art Bryles started coaching the Baylor Bears in 2008. He coached from 2008 to 2015. During that time frame, that team went from having a record of 4-8 and eight to having a record of 11-2. and two. And uh, I want to tell you, if you're a football coach or any of us, if you're a fan, you know that that is good, particularly in the Big 12. That is good. And, you know, so he was recognized for how he took his team from, from the lower, from the, kind of the cellar, from mediocrity, and how he kind of moved it up into the higher echelons. And, and along the way, he was the coach. One of his quarterbacks became a Heisman Trophy winner. RG3, Robert Griffin III, uh, won the Heisman Trophy in 2011. He opened up a new football stadium, uh, McLean Stadium, in 2014. And if you drive down to, uh, through Waco, you see the new football stadium sitting right there on the Brazos, and it is a beautiful stadium. And so all this happened uh, under, uh, under Coach Bryles' tenure. And so you're thinking, man, he is a very you know, high-capacity, highly competent, highly productive coach. And uh, there seems to be so much uh, to celebrate uh, about him. But you know that that's not why Coach Bryles made the news this last week. The reason Coach Bryles made the news this last week is not only was he a coach you know, of, of high capacity, but during his tenure at Baylor, there was a, a widespread sexual abuse scandal. And it kind of generated out of the football program and as that uh, scandal was being investigated, not only did the character of the football players come under question and under scrutiny, but also Coach Bryles' uh, own character came under question and came under scrutiny. And I know that Coach Bryles has both his backers and he has his detractors. And the message this morning is not so much to kind of focus in on Coach Bryles and kind of what happened in his life in terms of, of his competency or in terms of his character as much as it is to say that the issues that began to swirl in, in the midst of the conversation around Coach Bryles and, and the hire are these three issues. They are issues of competency. They are issues of character and issues of compromise. 
competency, uh, competency, character, compromise. Competency. That's being good at what we do. It's being productive. It's being effective. It's being a winner. It's being successful. To be high capacity, high competency. People are compensated well for that. And you and I know what it means to be a success in terms of what that means. It's compensated well. It's celebrated. It's congratulated. You know, when we look at kind of how things work within our society and our culture, to be competent is something that we all want. You know, as we're growing up, your parents, you know, <laughs> go to school, get trained up, you know, kind of, we want you to be a success. And so there's this drive into competency to be good, to be really good at what we do. And then there's character. And character is not about what we do. Character is about who we are. If competency is about outward productivity, then character is about inward person. It's about our moral values. It is about our vows of faithfulness. It is about integrity. It's about honesty, loyalty, responsibility, respectfulness, humility, self-control, self-giving. You and I know that character is not highly compensated. Nobody pays anybody for having good character. You and I also know that character is rarely celebrated. I mean, the only time you really hear people kind of really congratulated and lifted up in terms of their character is at their, in a eulogy, you know? It's a little, <laughs> it's a little late, you know? <laughs> kind of posthumously, we talk about their personhood. And you're thinking, okay, uh, that's, that's nice to do that. But, you know, uh, during, the, during the course of all things, you know, character is not something that we, is kind of outwardly pushed. It's something that we inwardly have to hold as valuable. And then there's compromise. And compromise, one way to look at compromise is when the push to be competent, when the push to succeed, when the drive to, to be successful, when that begins to overshadow what it means to do right, when that begins when our character gets sacrificed in that drive to succeed. It's compromise. Compromise, we cut corners. Compromise, we shade truth. Compromise, we ignore our conscience, that voice of conscience. Compromise, we offer ourselves excuses. You and I know about compromise. And so what we find is that there's this triangle of competency, character, and compromise. And people find themselves caught up in that triangle. Coach Browles found himself caught up in that triangle, but it's not simply Coach Browles. And, and you and I know that people, many, many people, particularly in the last couple of years, it's been brought out in, in some, some big-time ways where people who are highly successful, and usually it's men who are highly successful, find themselves in the midst of 
that triangle. And these are people who are leaders in business, media, sports, ministry. I tell you, I could go down the list in terms of the pastors who have been on the high pulpits, and you could go down through, and you could say, oh, I knew this one, I knew this one, I knew this one, and kind of, you know, and, and you feel the fallout. It, it just goes across the board. And so we find ourselves uh, in that triangle. And I want to tell you, friends, it's not simply the best that find themselves in that triangle. The faithful find themselves in the triangle. The Apostle Paul this morning, I think, found himself in the triangle. I don't understand what I do. You know, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. The very thing I don't want to do, I do do. Oh, wretched person that I am. You know, I, find, I think he finds himself right in that triangle of compromise. And it happens to the highest, and it happens to those in the Bible, and it happens to you and to me. And there are some signs. There are some signs that we can pay attention to. We begin to look into our own lives and say, hey, I'm finding myself within the triangle. Kerry Newhoff in his book, which is entitled I Didn't See It Coming, lifts up some of the signs. And I, I think there are good signs to pay attention to. He says the first sign is this. When we find a gap between how we project ourselves on the outside and who we know ourselves to be on the inside. You know, when we put forward, hey, I'm, this is who I am and this is how I'm living, and you project that out, and you know how, what you're, you are in public, and then you kind of know what you are in private and what you know who you are on the inside. He says if you begin to see a gap that just grows and develops and is kind of moving like this, he says pay attention to that. He says that's the triangle. It's at work in your life. Compartmentalization is where we see the triangle. And compartmentalization is where we kind of subdivide our lives and we have like, oh, here's my religious life and here's my business life. Here's the way I am with my family. Here's the way I am when I'm kind of out in the world. And, and they're two separate ways. We compartmentalize because this is what makes sense in this arena of my life and this is what makes sense in this arena of my life. And if you put the two arenas together, they, you know, like they're not the same. You know, the, the integrity of kind of combining them just doesn't hang together. He says, watch out for the sign. It's a sign of compromise. He says, it's a sign of compromise when we desire to cover all that up. Because I'll tell you, when you see that gap, the first thing you want to do is you do want to cover it up. You're not really interested in people kind of seeing that gap in your life. I'm not, you're not, nobody is. And so what we do is we concoct alibis. We fabricate stories, you know, we make up excuses, we change passwords, we delete browser histories, we do all kinds of stuff to start covering up the trail. Those things happen. It's the triangle. It's the triangle when we fail to follow through, when we desire, you know, there's something that we want to do, like Susan was sharing with the kids, and, hey, we want to do our best, and as we want to do our best, we're trying to kind of dig our way out of, of that whole notion of compromise, and, and we just find that, you know, we make those promises, and we want to do our best, but for whatever reason, we don't follow through. There's a failure to follow through. We can't hang with that. Triangle. Triangle when we find ourselves at a place in life where we get tired of making excuses and we just start justifying. 
you know, everybody does it. You know what? If you were in my shoes, you'd do it too. You know what? I got to close this deal. I got to keep this client. And to do that, I need to do this. There are signs. There are signs of the triangle. And when we find ourselves, when we see those signs, you just kind of perk up because we're walking down a path. Competency, character going in two different directions. And the consequences aren't good. The apostle writes, what a wretched human being I am. <laughs> you know, that's, that's fact. That is fact. But here is also a fact. The fact is, when the apostle writes, how am I going to be freed from this? He says that there is a path forward. There is a way of freedom. There is a foundation for all of us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is a forgiveness for us all in Christ Jesus our Lord, where the God who knows us through and through is the God who loves us through and through, who is the God who forgives us through and through, who is the God who draws close to us wherever we find ourselves in life and would let us know in that place that he is our savior. See, there is no condemnation. God brings forward the cross. The cross is about how the love of God would embrace our lives, not when we're at our best, but when we're saying, oh, what a wretched person I am. You know? That's when the cross of Christ embraces all of our lives. And what happens with that freedom? Is that this, that's a freedom to move forward because what the apostle puts forward this morning, he says, you know, he says when it says there is no condemnation, that's not like there's exoneration. That's not like we can go back and do whatever we've been doing. He says that's not what it's about. It's not about continuing to live in what he calls the law of sin and death, you know, not continuing down that path. He says there is a different path that is being put forward, you know, in the cross uh, and in the foundation of forgiveness in Christ, and that is the law of the spirit of life. And that's what he's bringing forward to us. The law of the spirit of life. And the law of the spirit of life is how we participate in moving forward in God's grace in ways that we can grow up our lives in that grace. And the way of this, the path is pretty straightforward. It starts with confession. And confession really is about just being honest. It's about being honest with ourselves. It's about being honest with God. It's about being honest with others. It's about saying, this is what's going on in my life. And it's about taking responsibility for that. It's not about accusing. It's not about blaming. It's not about pointing fingers. It's not about shifting. You know, it's, a, it's about, I did this. You know, it's on me. And that's confession, is owning who we are. Not only when we're the best, but just all of us, you know. And so there's confession. And then there is repentance. And repentance is so much more than saying, I'm sorry. You know, I remember I have two sons, and when they were growing up, I used to force one to say, I'm sorry to his brother, you know. And, and, and when I forced him in his heart, you know, the words came out of his mouth. It never really affected his heart too much, you know. 
uh, and, and, you know, it's not about simply saying I'm sorry. Repentance is about doing something different. It's about doing something different. It's about doing something new. It's about kind of saying, hey, you know, I know that I need to change. By God's grace, I need to change. By God's spirit, I can change. The cross opens that opportunity for me. And I can grow forward in that way. And I can go forward in that way, not simply because of who I am, but because of who Jesus Christ is. And so repentance is kind of putting our footsteps on that path. Repentance actually means to make a U-turn. means to go in a different direction. And so we go in a different direction. The third step is restoration. Because you and I know that when we find ourselves in that triangle, somebody does get hurt. There are consequences. And in those consequences, how do we begin to try to make those right? What can we do emotionally? What can we do relationally? What can we do financially? You know, what, what can we do in, in restoration? Because I want to tell you the truth. When Jesus Christ draws close to you and to me, what he's doing is restoring us. Restoring us to who we can be in God's love. And so restoration is part of it. And then the last part of it is renewal. Because when we live in the law of the spirit of life, it's not about simply saying, hey, I just got myself in this deep hole and how am I going to climb out of this hole and kind of get back to where I was? It is so much more than that. It's about saying, how can that law of the spirit of life continue to grow and develop in me and take me forward to who I can be in Jesus Christ? Not stopping with where I am now, but continuing forward into how that grace and love would make me into who God would have me to be, into who God would have you to be. It's when you take that whole notion of competency and capacity, and part of what you do is you turn it inward. You say, I'm going to let that begin to work on my character. I'm going to begin to move forward in ways that I strive to be renewed in all God would have me to be and all God have, would have me to do. My friends, there is the law of the spirit of life. And that's God's gift to us in Jesus Christ. You know, I started out with Art Bryles. I'm going to end up with Chuck Colson. I know that Chuck Colson may be a little bit um, or, um, before some of us here and some of us not, but, but Chuck Colson uh, was a, uh, grew up in a religious household and uh, Chuck Colson, you know, was raised in a particular way. And uh, uh, when, he got, uh, when he came forward in life, he began to see that competency was really important. It was more important than character. And you may know that in 1969, Chuck Colson was known uh, as the hatchet man for the President of the United States. That he was in the inner circle. And if something, uh, you know, <laughs> needed to be done, <laughs> that, that he was the guy, he was the go-to guy to get stuff done that needed to happen, and particularly stuff that wasn't good. Uh, he was the guy to go to to get it done, and you also know the consequences of that. He was included in the Watergate 7, and as part of the Watergate 7, he also went to prison for obstruction of justice, that drive for capacity, the sacrifice of character, the whole notion of compromise. But there in prison, in that place, God found him, or he found God, 
Everybody found each other. Not quite sure how it all worked, but that's how God works. God, God found, they all found, found each other in ways that God's grace went to work in his life, in ways that he did become a new person in Christ, in a way that he did begin to start ministries and form ministries in a, in a prison fellowship. And he, he lived in that way and, and forwarded those ministries. In 1993, he won the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion. And the Templeton Prize is given for those who demonstrate exceptional ability to forward the spiritual dimension of life. It's not a Christian prize. It's a prize who forward the spiritual dimension of life. I think about that change in his life. I think about how he lived in the law of the spirit of life and what a difference it made in him and what a difference it makes in all of us. Because, you know, the triangle is the truth for us, but also the truth for us is the cross of Christ, is the power of God's love, is the forgiveness and is the freedom that is yours in the love that God pours upon us. And so it's in that love and in that cross I'm going to invite us to come and to feast upon that grace this morning as we join our hearts together today around the table uh, in the sacrament of communion. So let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the ways that you know us as we are, for the ways that you love us as we are, for the ways that you lift us as we are, for the ways that you draw us into who you would have us to be for the ways that you would infuse your mercy and your grace into us so that we'd know there's no condemnation, so that we know in Christ Jesus there is that grace that would be at work, that would be creating, moving and making and shaping. So, Lord, let us not only focus outward, let us focus inward to all you would be doing and let us grow up in ways that are to your glory in and through Jesus Christ, in whose name we've gathered and in whose name we pray. Amen. So we come to the table today. This is not a Spring Valley table or a Methodist table. It's a table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of us are invited to come and to feast upon the bounty of his grace. We do have gluten-free, and so if that would be helpful for you this morning, we invite, we ask, we invite you to ask your server about that. And I would invite those who are assisting in, the, in communion to come forward at this time as we join together around the table. Dear friends, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and to praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. For you formed us in your image. You breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, from sin, and made covenant to be our sovereign God. You brought us into your way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join together in the unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. 
By the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, he gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope to the resurrection, uh, through the resurrection of your Son from the dead and to an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for all of us. Once we were no people, now we are God's people who has called us to declare the wonderful deeds of Christ in that marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of the word and the Holy Spirit. And on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and after giving thanks and blessing the bread, he broke it. And he gave it to those who followed him and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks over the cup, he poured it out and said, Take and drink, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you shall drink in remembrance of me. Let us pray together. Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of the bread and of the cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Father Almighty. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together the prayer that we have been taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever.